Support for this podcast comes from Frito-Lay in the 2023 Snack Bracket Championship. The Frito-Lay Snack Challenge is underway, and fans are voting on their favorite snacks to crown champion. We're talking about primetime matchups between the best 64 snacks in the land. Will Ruffles Ridges reign supreme? Can Doritos defend their dynasty? Or will Smart Food use their smarts for a surprise upset? Only you can decide. Get in on all the action for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. Let your snacks be heard. Just go to Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com to vote and enter for a chance to win. No purchase necessary. Sweepstakes ends April 3rd, 2023. Void but prohibited. Years worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. Zella made a beat, so it's go time. What's up, guys? Welcome back to another edition of the Core 4 Podcast. This is a podcast under SB Nation's Grizzly Bear Blues channel. You can find us on SoundCloud, iTunes Radio. Uh, You'll be able to find us on Spotify, Stitcher, and Google Podcasts soon. I'm your host, Parker Fleming. And with me to fill in for Big Nate Chester is none other than Brandon Abraham, a.k.a. Mr. Hustle. Brandon, what up? I'm doing good, Parker. How are you? Man, I'm doing pretty good. Um, just had class all day. And I came home to the wild finish of the Tennessee game. Pretty good thing to come home to. Uh, that was a heck of a game. Yeah, are you a Tennessee fan? No, I'm actually the opposite. Um, I, I typically root against Tennessee in almost everything, but... That basketball team, you have the kids like Grant Williams, Admiral Schofield. It's really hard not to root for those guys to succeed. Oh, I absolutely agree with you. I've always grown up hating the Tennessee Vols. So if you're listening to this and you're a Vols fan, I'm sorry, but it's just how I was raised. But, you know, like you said, Williams, Schofield, Jordan Bone, and also those uh, post-game New Freezer videos, it, it made it hard to root against them. Yeah. Yeah, well, so last week we introduced a new segment called GBB Hot Takes, where we bring up a hot take brought to us from a member of the Grizzly Bear Blues. So tonight we'll be taking the hot take from Brandon Abraham. Brandon, take it away. I have a spice alert for this one. The spice is kind of tamed a little bit with his play over the last uh, couple of games. Because when I first talked with you about this, it was really before he got going, but my take is pretty much the Grizzlies are better off just eating the last year of Chandler Parsons' contract instead of trying to trade him this offseason or next year. Uh, yeah. Honestly, if I had to grade that on the spice rating, you know, last a couple of weeks ago I would have given you a 9 or a 10 because I'm one of the prime residents on Cancun and even I wasn't like feeling super optimistic about him 
But over the past few weeks, he's really stepped up his play. His shot is finally looking fluid. It's going in. He's making plays off the dribble. He's actually looking like a guy that can come in and play a role off the bench. And you're right. They might be better off keeping him. Because what are they going to do? They're going to probably end up just eating another bad contract that's probably worse than Chandler's anyways. And and that kind of was my whole point before he started looking like a rotation player again was if you're trading away Parsons, you're doing one of two things. If we don't convey this year, you're trading your first round pick to get rid of them, which even though it's from a natural perspective or national perspective, a weak draft, it's still better to get a player in the draft than not, or you're going to, you know, take on a, potentially worse contract just to get off a one year of them. Whereas if you just eat the contract this past year, depending on what you do with Conley, Valanchunas, all the guys in the trades, you can hit 2020 with the cleanest slate the Grizzlies have had. And God, since probably you and I have been able to understand what a cap cap space is. Um, so it's, you know, stretching him is just going to complicate the cap space down the line. Um, trading him for either a first, you know, and attaching a first round pick or getting on a, a worse contract, it's just not worth it. You put up with it for three years. Um, next year, you hope he can be a rotation player. And if not, he rides to the end of the bench. Maybe you can do some sort of buyout around the trade deadline. But I think they're better off eating his contract instead of trying to unload it like the rumors were this past off season. Yeah, I agree with you there, Brandon. And one thing that somebody actually brought up to me today was the idea of a team willingly to take on Parsons' contract in order to have a little bit of cap relief for the 2020 free agency. Um, Honestly, I don't really see any bad contracts or teams willing to do that. Um, The only team I can really think of is Minnesota with Gorgie Dang because, I mean, they're already committed to Wiggins and... Honestly, even if the Grizz or even if the Timberwolves offered me Andrew Wiggins in a future first for Chandler Parsons, I don't know if I would take it. Um, hey, you should be glad I, about I that. <laughs> yeah, you, you know where I've stood on the uh, Andrew Wiggins Parsons kind of swap that prior to really this year didn't look as bad, but with the way Wiggins has just not developed, it I just don't think you're worth it's getting off a of one year Chandler Parsons is worth locking yourself into four years for a guy like Andrew Wiggins or even, even two years of Gorgie Dang. Um, it's just, and it, it helps that he's had, you know, a string of six games in a row now where he's played, you know, pretty well um, shooting the ball, passing, you know, as much defense as a man with basically no knees can play. Uh, like I, with him being a rotation player, I think it makes it even easier to just bite the bullet and, eat the last year of his contract. Yeah, I agree with you there. There's another, like another thing with him too is let's be real. If this team conveys this year, I expect the team to be very, very young going into next season, whether or not they keep, you know, a guy like Dallin Chunas or Avery Bradley, or if they trade or keep Mike Conley, I'm really feeling this team is going to be super young and we've never really heard anything about, Parsons being a locker room cancer. I mean, for the most part, it seems like everybody likes him. Everybody wanted him back when you had this whole free Chandler kind of stuff going on. So do you think he can actually be a good mentor in the locker room for guys like Jaron Jackson Jr. and Kyle Anderson and maybe a pick if we get a pick this year? 
Oh, I think absolutely. I mean, you, you hope he's not taking, you know, guys like Jaron or Dylan or any of the young guys out to the bluff or Rayfords or, you know, <laughs> Tin Roof. Um, hopefully he's not doing that with them during the year. But from an actual basketball perspective, I think, you know, he's gone through a lot, especially just over the past three years where he can talk to guys like, you know, you have Jaron who's missing, you know, the rest of this year, basically with an injury. He can talk to Jaren, talk to Jaron about the struggles, you know, especially like mentally of not being able to play with your team when that's what you want to do. Um, and I'll even take it a step further keeping Parsons, you know, going into next year, like depending on how much money we have or don't have in free agency, everybody likes Parsons as a person. So, I mean, one of the biggest things I thought we got when we signed him in 16 was going to be his ability to recruit. Um, so far, really, I think the only person we've gotten with the help of Chandler has been Joakim Noah, who you know, obviously has revitalized his career in Memphis. But, you know, if you – keep Parsons long term maybe he starts you know trying to get guys to come to Memphis this summer or you know it's at least you know he's a likable personality so I don't think he's going to be a cancer or a guy in the locker room where the young guys don't stand them or anything like that mm-hmm. and do you think the Gri- Grizzlies front office look f- extremely foolish for letting him sit and stay at home for two months uh, kind of like how you said when we started off the show, um, if you had asked me that, you know, end of February when he was stringing in, you know, you know, less than five points a game on some pretty horrid shooting, I'd have been like, okay, maybe Chris Wallace was right. But, you know, now that he's gotten in a rhythm and played, you know, games in a row, kind of gotten his feel for things, I mean, Chris Wallace looks foolish. I mean – Part of it, you know, it helps C.J. Miles is out, Kyle Anderson's out. We have all these guys out with injuries, so they can kind of play Parsons, you know, freely. But to have the guy who's – I mean, he's dropped, you know, 10 points a game over the past six six games, been huge in the win over OKC, the win over Houston. Like, And you sent him away to L.A. to, to find a trade knowing – knowing you're not going to find a trade partner to take on that contract. I mean, they, they look very foolish right now. Yeah, I agree with you over these past six games. He is averaging 12 points a game. He's shooting roughly about 33% from the field, but he's also done a really good job as far as being that second unit facilitator, especially when guys like Mike Conley are out. Joaquin Noah is out. Um, he really helps, um, ease the load off of DeLon Wright, who is just now kind of just transitioning into becoming a full-time NBA backup point guard. And it's honest, he's honestly looking like the kind of guy the Grizzlies needed when they were trying to make this little playoff push. Maybe if they would have kept Parsons in Memphis and he's producing, you know, 12 points, two assists off the bench, you wouldn't have needed a trade for a guy like Justin Holiday and give up two second-round picks, which has caused a giant unnecessary ruckus within the fan base. Yeah, it's uh, it's one of those, if they just kind of not been stubborn and, you know, sucked it up and figured things out and played Parsons, I, I'm still not sure if this is a playoff team, but you at least have, you know, like you said, the second round picks, you know, from the Justin Holiday trade. It's, I mean, this team, this, the way the season went could have been pretty different if they had kind of given Parsons a chance once he got healthy. I agree. And we are talking to Brandon Abraham from Grizzly Bear Blues. And so, Brandon, I really want to talk about 
Jonas Valanciunas, who's been a really, really big conversation starter for most Grizzly fans lately with his play. He's really honestly just putting up consistent 2010s. Kind of reminds people, it's a little Zebo-esque if you think about it. Brandon, what do you think about his long-term future with the Memphis Grizzlies? That, that That's a really, I guess, tricky question. I think it kind of depends on what you see as Jaron Jackson's future position. Um, I think for the intermediate future of the team, so like the next four to five years, I think Balanchunas would be the ideal center to pair with Jaron. Um, you know, as Jaron kind of grows more into his body, you know, gets a little bit bulkier before he's really able to take on being a full-time five in today's league. Um, so I, I'm a big fan. Um, I know we've talked before. I'm a, I'm a big, big fan of trying to get him to decline his player option and take a uh, four-year deal with the Grizzlies or even a five-year deal if that's what it takes to lock him up kind of long-term. I think he'd be a great mentor for Jaron to kind of be a bully down low. Because, you know, Jaron's game is still a little bit more finesse than bully. And if Jaron can kind of be able to do both things, he'd be – I mean, that's what would make him a superstar in this league, I feel like. Um, and he just matches up well. He shoots the – I mean, he doesn't shoot the three often, but he shoots it, you know, just enough and is accurate just enough to kind of be a threat from out there to where it's not, you know, going to kill spacing. I mean, he sets screens. With, with Jaron's handle, you could do a, a – kind of like what the Nuggets do with Plumlee and Jokic with a big man pick and roll. Um, so I, I'm a big fan of Valanchunas. I think he's been, you know, obviously the biggest part of the trade deadline has been his stellar play since coming over to Memphis. And I think we stole him from Toronto. And I think we should do everything we can to lock him up for at least the next four to five years. Mm-hmm. I agree with you there. May, my main thing with Valanchunas is – there's a lot of naysayers out there about Valanchunas and his impact on a playoff team. I saw that a few weeks ago from a blog out there somewhere. They were just worried about if Jonas Valanciunas can actually contribute to a playoff team. And Jonas Valanciunas, every year he's with Toronto, mainly their playoff years, he was a big role. Um, he averaged between 22 and 28 minutes a game each year they made the playoffs. And he's averaged roughly about like a 12 and 8, 12 and 9, that little ballpark right there. And granted, those are still pretty good numbers considering you're playing with high usage, high volume scores such as Kyle Lowry and DeMar DeRozan. He's even averaging, he averaged 14 last postseason. And a few years back, he averaged 14 and 11. So he's shown he can prove he can perform in the playoffs. And so, do you think Jonas Valanciunas can be that piece where he's producing it? You know, a 15 and 10 clip for a playoff team in the Western Conference next to Jaron oh, Jackson ab- Jr. Absolutely, I, I think the biggest thing when it comes to the playoffs and people knocking on Valanciunas is. Anytime you talk about the Raptors in the playoffs, you know, it takes just a few minutes before someone brings up about how LeBron, you know, just destroyed them every year. Like, I'm pretty sure over the past five years, they're like 0 of 12 or 0 of 16 against LeBron in the playoffs. And they point to that and like, oh, hey, Valanciunas can't play in the playoffs. I think absolutely he can. Now, I'm sure there are some matchups where um, he may not play as many minutes. Um 
maybe you go small with Jaron at the five, Kyle at the four, you know, with and depending on what the rest of the roster looks like, you know, spread it out. But I think, you know, there's no reason he can't replicate or even improve upon his numbers in Toronto, um, depending on the team the Grizzlies surround surround him with. Like, he's, he's a good player. I, I don't think his style of play really is one that disappears in the playoffs. I think, I think if anything, it might actually help the Grizzlies out because, you know, they – the game slows down a little bit in the playoffs, so you have a, a bully on the block down low, you know, in Valanciunas. I think that helps out when the game slows down. Mm-hmm. I really like how you mentioned you can go small with Jaron Jackson and move him to the five because we've seen a lot recently in these close games where JB will go offense-defense with Valanciunas and Jaron Jackson Jr. But imagine, let's say hypothetically you do get um, trying to think of like a qual, just think of like a quality wing defender that could play like between two and three. And instead of going five for five with the offense defense, whenever you put a defensive player in, you maybe put one that's more versatile. Maybe you put in someone like Bruno Caboclo and it moves and it moves Jaron Jackson down to the five. And all of a sudden, your defensive front court is Jaron Jackson Jr. Bruno Caboclo and Kyle Anderson, which would give you a very switchy, versatile defensive front court. But at the same time, you can also put in Jonas Valanciunas, who can go down on the block and get you a bucket when you need it. And I think that's very big for the Grizzlies, and that's something they should definitely take advantage of. Yeah, I agree completely. Because and you know they sub Valanciunas and Joe came out offense defense, but it's not like Valanciunas is a slouch on the defensive end. Um, Joe Keem's a little bit more agile and mobile and frankly his just energy of being all over the place I think kind of picks things up on the defensive side and he's more vocal but it's not like Valanchunas is someone like Zebo where you know he's just going to get attacked like he's at least you know a rim protector and can alter people's shots at the rim so it's I mean I, I think the best thing with Valanchunas is the way his game is and the way his game can still evolve because he's just 26, I think you can kind of do a lot of different things with him. And he's shown, you know, the selflessness to, you know, come off the bench in Toronto, sub offense, defense with Joakim this year. Like, I think, you know, assuming his selflessness continues, like he'd be kind of down with whatever the Grizzlies ask, ask of him and he's not going to force their hand on anything. Mm-hmm. I'm really glad you mentioned their his defense because that was another one of um, his criticisms, critiques, whenever he came into Memphis was the fact that he wasn't really that good of a defender. But so far in Memphis, he is averaging 1.6 blocks per game. And on the defensive end, he also has a defensive box plus minus of 1.7. So he's proven that he can at least be an uh, above average defender. So, I mean, I agree with you. Like, I I think a lot of his critiques that these Grizzly bloggers and writers have given him recently are very overblown because he's kind of proven that, one, he can, pre- he can perform and produce on a playoff team. One that actually never won less than 48 games while he was on the team. So he was consistently producing almost a double-double every night on a 50-win team. And if that doesn't prove anything, then I I don't know what else to say. And then he's obviously performing on the defensive metrics. So, I mean, he's not that bad of a defender. So maybe Uh, it's just people nitpicking? 
I was going to say, it's very nitpicky and just people looking for the negatives, I feel like, because, I mean, especially if you look at, you know, his tenure just with the Grizzlies, like you said, like, he really hasn't done much wrong. Like, so if you're, you know, going to nitpick and say, oh, he's not a good defender or can he play in the playoffs? Like, you're just kind of looking for a reason to complain, in my opinion, because, and, and of course, I'm always, you know, Mr. Optimistic, so I take take that kind of as you will but I think you know just sit back and enjoy like he's had a great 17 games he's shown he can be a you know positive defender um his game's translated I mean single-handedly like him and you know him Parsons and Conley won us that Houston game um and Houston's probably one of the matchups you kind of look at and say like oh can he play in the playoffs I mean yeah he torched Houston um so I, I think if you're kind of critiquing Valanciunas's play, you're just kind of nitpicking and looking for the looking for something negative to say, and it's not really something that should be a serious concern for the Grizzlies going forward with trying to lock him up long term. Mm-hmm. And I really think the Grizzlies should try to live up to this Raptors South moniker because don't look now, but they can kind of form that Raptors esque roster. Granted, they don't have the dominant scores like Kawhi Leonard or Kyle Lowry or, I mean, even DeMar DeRozan. But they can really like have those like flexible lineups to where if somebody's going big, like let's say they're throwing, you're playing against like a, a Carl Anthony Towns or a Joel Embiid or a Marcus All, you can throw Jonas Valanciunas into the starting lineup if you need to. But if not, if you're playing a little more a versatile um, horizontal spacing center or vertical spacing center, maybe like a Bam Adebayo or Mitchell Robinson, you can throw in Jaron Jackson at the five. And I really think they should play to those strengths a little bit. I don't know. Maybe you have a different take. No, I, I'm right there with you. It's, it's going to be – that's one of the things I'm most intrigued to see with the Grizzlies going forward is ideally this was going to be the first year with it. Um, definitely, I think, next year, depending on what they do. But, you know, for the past, you know, for the whole grit and grind era and then the the faux year after and then whatever we want to call this year, it, it's kind of been other teams are going to do what they want to do and we're going to, you know, try and get you in the mud and slow the game down and all this stuff. And, I mean, it worked obviously for a while, but it's kind of phased out. And for the first time in forever, the Grizzlies have the flexibility to kind of, one, play fast with the other teams in the league and two, it kind of allows them to adapt to whatever team they're playing against. So, like, to your point, depending on the matchup, they can have Valanciunas start or Jaron. They can go big or small. Um, so they have the, you know, the players and the talent to match up, you know, at least relatively well with most of the teams in the league. And, frankly, that's not something, as a Grizzlies fan, you're used to because it used to be – you know, you're going up against the Warriors. It's who's going to win the ground and pound style of the Grizzlies or the three gun and fast paced Warriors. And I mean, we have flexibility to, you know, like we saw just the other night, you know, kind of fight with the Warriors a little bit because we have guys like Bruno Caboclo, you know, you know, in the future, Avery Bradley, like Justin Holiday, he did pretty decent the other night playing defense. Like you have the flexibility to match up with almost any team in the league. Mm-hmm. And one thing I also thought of too, and judging his future, is 
the Grizzlies, they're not a free agent destination, and Jaron Jackson's going to be on a rookie contract for the next three years or so. Are you going to get anybody in free agency better than Jonas Valanciunas? Nope. Exactly. If they do, it'd be a, it'd be a very big surprise. Um, like, obviously, you're not going to go out and get any of the big names this offseason. Um, even guys at the beginning of the year before they really broke out, like D'Angelo Russell, like, you know, you're not going to get anyone like that. So why not get a nice 26-year-old center who is putting up 20 and 10? I don't, I don't, I don't see the issue with it myself. Um, I, I know there are some people in the Memphis media and the national media who think the only way for the Grizzlies to regain – being relevant is to just totally overhaul their roster. But I, I personally, I think um, even Conley or no Conley, you know, you lock in Valanciunas for the foreseeable future, let Jaron grow the other young pieces on this team. Like there's something there. It's too early to know if it's a playoff team or, you know, a team like Charlotte where it's, Oh, you're, you're too good to be bad, but you're not good enough to be a really a formidable playoff opponent. But there's something and in a small market like Memphis, I think you kind of take your chance with something and hope, you know, something great comes out of it. Yes. And actually on this week's edition of the running back podcast that I do with Connor Dunning, we talked about those teams that they stuck in the middle instead of tanked and they ended up better off because you have teams like Denver, Milwaukee, Golden State. They never had super high top five draft picks, but they hit on all those draft picks where next thing you know, they became a formidable playoff contender overnight, basically. And I really think with the Grizzlies, you have a good foundation. You have Jaron Jackson Jr., who's already one of the brightest young stars in the league. You have a few role players that are either entering or in their prime with Kyle Anderson, Jonas Valanciunas, and maybe Avery Bradley. All three of those guys are still in their 20s and they've also played a lot of meaningful basketball on playoff teams. And maybe if you can get a little growth from someone like Dylan Brooks, or if you can flip Mike Conley for a guy that fits Jaron's timeline and has cornerstone potential, maybe a Lonzo Ball or Jalen Brown if Kyrie doesn't go back to Boston, or maybe the Knicks miss out on Kyrie and Kimba, but they get Kevin Durant, and so they give you Dennis Smith Jr., some like some scenario like that where the Grizzlies all of a sudden have a very bright future and maybe they can shock some teams next year and they build this culture that free agents would want to join. And next thing you know, the Grizzlies are on the same trajectory as teams like the Indiana Pacers, the Utah Jazz, Los Angeles Clippers, Brooklyn Nets, teams that built themselves on role-playing veterans plus young in their primes, plus young players on rookie deals. I mean, I think it's just a good recipe for the Grizzlies to return to relevance. Yeah. I mean, I agree 110%. Um, like, and especially in a small market like Memphis, you can't really, I don't, I don't think tanking remotely works for a team like Memphis because no one's going to go to the games. They're going to, the team's going to go, maybe not bankrupt, they're going to lose money. And that's when the the whispers of, oh, send the Grizzlies to Seattle become semi-legitimate. Um, well, I mean, like you said, you know, Jaren, Jaren's going to be, I think, 
a great asset on and off the court. I think he's going to be a great player, and I think his fun, outgoing personality is is going to attract other players to want to come play with him. Um, so, I mean, I think you've kind of packaged that together. Um, get you know, with Valanciunas, you know, some of the other players, you know, I think you're able to be good enough to get by, maybe take a jump like the teams like you mentioned earlier. And, and another team that comes to mind is a team like the Trailblazers. You know, they lost LaMarcus Aldridge, and, you know, everyone kind of thought, oh, they're going to be bad. And they go out and get Yusuf Nurkic, and Nurkic wasn't even great until this year, but just kind of the change, and they end up being, you know, the three seed in the playoffs last year before, you know, we're just going to ignore them getting their tails whooped. But, you know, like, you know, sometimes, you know, you don't have to have a ton of change to get better. It just takes kind of adapting to what you've got um, and going with it. And I think, you know, just the young players we have in this team have shown potential to be really good down the road or at least, you know, solid role players. Um, I, I mean, I, I think the future is brighter than uh, a lot of the media thinks it is. Mm-hmm, I agree. Again, we are talking to Brandon Abraham from Grizzly Bear Blues. And Brandon, we want to close it with some hustle talk because as we're recording this, the Memphis Hustle are in the playoffs. So can you just kind of give us like a rundown of like how everything's going right now with them? Um, well, as of the recording last night, they played the first round game against uh, the Stockton Kings and they went 0-3 against the Kings during the regular season. And with the Grizzlies, all their injuries issues, they only sent down Yuta Watanabe um, to help the team out. They actually didn't have either of their really star strictly hustle players and Tariq Phillip and Tyler Harvey who were hurt. Um, and they kind of go out there and they get down like 16 in the first, come back, take an 18-point lead, blow the 18-point lead in true Memphis fashion, only to win it on a uh, you know a game-winning three-point attempt with 1.9 seconds left on a guy who was in like, Nova Scotia a month ago. Um, so it's that's really the easiest way to describe their season is it's just been a big up and down crazy affair, but it's been entertaining. Um, the fans who have come out have seen a high scoring, high powered team with a really a handful of NBA quality guys. Mm-hmm. And a lot of so of these Memphis Hustle guys, most fans, they're their biggest uh their biggest guy is Yuta Watanabe. And so what are his NBA prospects? Because he has the body and the skill set from what it looks like to produce the NBA. Granted, when he's been thrown in there at times, he doesn't look ready. But you think after this year with the G League, he can, you know, be you know, like a fourteenth, fifteenth guy off the bench for the Memphis Grizzlies next year? I, I think he could. I think the organization thinks very highly of him. Um the biggest thing with him is has been adjusting, you know, like I mean, he played his college ball at George Washington. It's his first year kind of in the NBA. And it, it, I mean, he said after games, it's been pretty hard on him to not really know what he's doing one day or the next, you know, going between the hustle and Grizzlies. Um, so I think some consistency would kind of help him look more comfortable on, you know, in a Grizzlies uniform. But in a hustle uniform, he's been great. Um, if you look at just the box score, it doesn't always show up. Um, but really, if I had to give him a player comp, and it's going to work out perfectly, 
he reminds me a lot of Tayshawn Prince with a little bit more range, um, which works out perfectly because Tayshawn Prince is with the Grizzlies front office and really seems to spend more time down in South Haven with the hustle than he does, you know, sitting courtside with uh, Alexis Morgan and Chris Vernon at the Grizzlies games. Um, so I think he should model his game after Tayshawn. He's a able defender. He's really able to play and defend one through five. Um, in the NBA, he's a little bit too small to play the five, but at least in the G League, Brad Jones has put him out there as a five when uh, they've had injuries down low. Um, uh, so out of all the guys on the hustle, um, like the actual hustle roster in two ways, so not including Javon Carter and Tyler Dorsey, I think Utah has the highest ceiling of any player that's put on a hustle uniform really the past two years. Mm-hmm. And one thing with Yuta Watanabe that I'm really intrigued with, and so it kind of goes to Denver, who their two-way guys last year, Tory Craig and uh, Monte Morris, those were their two-way guys, correct? I believe so, yeah. Yeah, those are two guys that have played big roles in Denver's spectacular run this year because they've had a lot of injuries in their backcourt. They had Isaiah Thomas sit almost all year, and now he can't even get in the rotation because they can't leave out Monte Morris. And then Torrey Craig stepped up and was tremendous filling in for Will Barton and Gary Harris. So maybe with Utah, they kind of pull off this thing that Denver was able to succeed with where they managed to turn in turn their two-way guys into consistent role players on ultimately a title contending team. Well, and, and I agree completely. And I think just even looking at, you know, the recent success, I don't think Tyler Dorsey has the string of games he's had over the past week or so. If, you know, he didn't have, he played like the day after the trade deadline with the hustle and then didn't play again, you know, had off and on minutes with the Grizzlies and then played three straight games with the hustle to kind of help them in their playoff push. I think that kind of helped, him get comfortable and gain the confidence to go out there and, you know, score a career high for the Grizzlies. So I think, I think the G league platforms great for guys like Utah And like you mentioned with the Denver guys, like to let them get their feet wet, get comfortable and kind of get them ready for when they get that NBA opportunity. Um, so I, I think, you know, with how many wings the Grizzlies look like they might have on the roster next year, I'm not sure how much Utah will play, but I think, I think he'll look better next year because he'll be a little bit more comfortable and he may even look better at the end of this year once the hustle season's over with. Um, and he's, you know, just, just with the Grizzlies and not kind of practicing with two different teams. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Two guys that you brought up in that were Tyler Dorsey and Javon Carter. And honestly, it's almost two different ends of the spectrum with both of those players because t- Tyler Dorsey was a young pros, a young fringe prospect on this tanking Atlanta Hawks team and couldn't even get on the court. And now with Memphis, he's producing, aside from even his scorings, I think his scoring and three-point shooting were really what got him to the league, but he's proven to be, you know, a decent combo guard defender as well as a good rebounder for his position. Whereas that's something that we thought from that Javon Carter was going to be this year. But Javon Carter, if he... I'm going to steal this from GBB's own Justin Lewis. If Javon Carter was on the beach, he wouldn't be able to hit the sand or the water. That's how his jumper's been so far. So, like, what do you think about Tyler Dorsey and Javon Carter? Well, and, and I think you bring up a good point with them is because I think Dorsey, you know, has gained the confidence and, you know, is able to 
be in the G League and obviously focus on his scoring, but also kind of, you know, focus on making good passes, being a rebounder, being an all-around player, which, you know, he has shown with the Grizzlies, you know, what he's learned. And then Javon, it, it, it's almost like he's a different player in a hustle uniform compared to the Grizzlies. Um, I, I do worry a little bit. It's a little bit kind of like Kobe Simmons, who, you know, looked great in the G League. You know, it's kind of like those fringe players, the guys who are really too good for the G League, but not good enough for the NBA. Um, I, I think the biggest thing with Javon is he has uh, the signature talent of being a very good defender. So I think that'll give him a long leash with the Grizzlies. Um, whereas, you know, you have a guy like Andrew Harrison who got cut after a few years because he, you know, he got decent at a handful of stuff but wasn't really great at one thing. I think with Javon, um, you at least see, and I hate to be hyperbolic or however you want to pronounce it, they could see maybe a little bit of Tony Allen in him where – you know you're not going to get much offensively, but defensively he's going to hound the opposing team's best player. Um, Dorsey, on the other hand, I mean, he, he's really shown out. I kind of thought, you know, like he was just a shoe-in just for us to get rid of Shelvin Mack. And, I mean, I, I don't know who we robbed more, Toronto or Atlanta, because, I mean, obviously they waived Shelvin and he signed with Charlotte, but you get a guy who's dropping 20 points for the Grizzlies and, you get rid of a guy like Shelvin Mack, who I think by the end of his short Grizzlies career had infuriated everybody enough beyond frustration. Um, so Dorsey, I think, has kind of put the Grizzlies in a tough spot to where do you, you know, not pick up Avery Bradley's option and opt to keep Dorsey, you know, on a cheaper contract or try to re-sign Avery to cheaper contract? I think he uh, – you know, when they traded for him, I think it was just kind of let his contract run out. But now he's a uh, kind of a uh, discussion the front office is going to have to have. Mm-hmm. And somebody you brought up was Avery Bradley, and I'm I've kind of got to the point where at this point, even whether I think if they convey the pick, it's a fifty-fifty shot. I don't like I could see them keeping him, but I can also see them cutting him. If they keep the pick, I don't see him coming back just because of salary cap purposes. But the main thing where I can see him stay is if the Grizzlies end up trading Mike Conley and take back infinitely less salaries. Like, let's say, you know, like they're able to get Lonzo Ball or Jalen Brown or someone of that on on a rookie deal without taking back a bad contract. Maybe then they're like, okay, we have a little wiggle room in the salary cap. We might as well just keep Avery Bradley. Maybe we can flip him for a first at the at the trade deadline because, I mean, the 2020 draft is supposed to be just as weak. So like maybe teams are more reluctant to give up first-round picks. So that's kind of where I'm, I stand with that. I, I'm kind of with you, and I'm, I'm almost, and I think we've talked about it before, where I think – you know, depending on what happens, maybe you decline his option, but, you know, give him a two or three year deal for lesser money and see if he takes it. Because, um, you know, on GBB Live with Joe the other week, you know, he sounds happy in Memphis. Like he sounds as comfortable in Memphis as like, I don't think he's been this comfortable since his Boston days. Um, so I think Detroit and LA were bad fits for him. Um, and maybe he sees, you know, He's comfortable in the, with the Grizzlies. Um, you know, he's only 28, so if he signs a two- to three-year deal, he has enough time to get 
you know, maybe one more decent sized contract in. Um, as the Grizzlies, you know, maybe you kind of take that risk, you decline his option, you know, depending on the cap space, you tell him, we'll give you this amount of, this X amount of money for, you know, two to three years, you know, see if you can find something better. And if, if he finds something better, great. And if he doesn't, I think he'd be a, another solid player, kind of like Jonas, who um, would be a nice veteran presence and help out the team in the hopes of staying relevant in today's NBA. Yeah. And Brandon, we got about five minutes left. And I just want to close the show with this question. How do you want the Grizzlies to use their two-way contracts next year? I've actually probably thought thought about this way more than I should. Um, at first, I kind of didn't like what the Grizzlies did this year with uh, pretty much giving DJ Stephan the two-way contract just because of the local ties and all that. Um, but I've kind of come around to it because essentially the two-way guys are the 16th and 17th guys that – you know, are going to spend a handful of days. So what I would really like to see, um, in a perfect world, they keep Utah on the two-way again next year, at least for, you know, through his 45 days. Um, Julian Washburn, I, I think he's gone. I think he was just the pickup because it was when Kyle and Dylan got hurt and the Grizzlies had, like, no wings because Parsons was exiled. And, and, you know, they really wanted to keep Jarnell Stokes. Um so I think what they should do is sign Dusty Hannes to a two-way. He's he spent two years down in the hustle. He's vastly improved. His first year, coming out of coming out of college, he was really just a three-point sharpshooter, and I mean he could kind of get you know get it create his own shot in college. But you know his first year with the hustle, it was pretty much strictly off three-pointers and the occasional dribble drive move. I mean this year for the hustle, he's been a godsend. He's played in every game but one. He's you know, still been a lights out shooter from beyond the arc. Um, but he nearly became the second player in G League history to shoot 50% from the field, 40% from beyond the arc, and 90% from the free throw line. Um, the field goal percentage overall ended up being, I think, like 48%, something like that. So I think he's kind of earned the money on a two way contract. Um, the Grizzlies obviously haven't used it as much as, you know, a guy like team like Denver with Monte Morris and them. So I think they should give Dusty Hannah the contract, you know, going into next year, um, see, give him some NBA minutes to see how he does. And if it doesn't work out, you can cut him, and he'll still be a member of the hustle unless he chooses to go overseas. Um, and then I think, you know, if you do decide to cut Dusty, um, I mean, hell, you could Tyler Harvey and Tariq Phillip are two great players with the hustle that really should get some, get a summer league invite and some, consideration for two-way spots around the league um so i think i really think they should just sign dusty see how that goes for a little bit and kind of use that time to scout and find a a hidden gem that maybe went undrafted in the draft you know this year the past couple of years or just kind of continue to reward guys that have you know paid their dues kind of like how they did last year with amari johnson and marcus teague um you know, they they bought out for the hustle last year, and the hustle, the Grizzlies rewarded them with ten day contracts later in the year. Uh, I think Dusty Hannes has done more than enough to kind of warrant being rewarded by the Grizzlies with a two way contract to at least get a chance in the NBA. Mm, yes, awesome stuff there, Brandon. Brandon, we're about out of time. 
So thank you again for joining us on this edition of the Core Four. Brandon, plug in Thanks your for social media. Uh, yeah, you can follow me on Twitter at BC Abraham. Um, hustle season's wrapping up, so uh, I'm a little less hustle going forward, and I'll be a lot more uh, kind of taking a deeper dive into the Grizzlies. But uh, you can follow me on all social media at BC Abraham. Awesome. And make sure you're reading Brandon's hustle content, his Grizzlies content on grizzlybearblues.com. You can find them on Twitter at SBN Grizzlies. He puts up great work on there. And more importantly, he knows how to gas his homies up. <laughs> it, it gets yeah, stanky and, between the two of us, Parker. Oh, yeah. Man, we just stinking up the timelines. But yeah, you can find me on Twitter at Paca underscore Flocka. And you can find the podcast Twitter at the Core 4 Podcast with the number four in it. You can find Grizzly Bear Blues on Twitter at SBN Grizzlies. And you can find Brandon Abraham on Twitter at BC Abraham. So with that, we'll see you next week.